iOS helps you control which apps you share your exact location with. There's more to iPhone. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome to a new season of The Game Podcast. I'm Gabriel Marcotti and I'm joined today by Stuart Robson, Patty Barkley, and live from the England camp, Matt Hughes. Coming up on the show today, we'll be discussing the England squad, the Community Shield, and our brand spanking new feature, Off the Fence, which replaces the much-beloved but now-departed Quick Hits. Let's kick things off with everybody's favorite preseason friendly, the uh, Community Shield, United beating Chelsea 3-1. To what degree does this game matter? Stuart. I think it does matter. I mean, the pre-season is all about getting your players fit, but this is the first competitive game, and Manchester United wanted to play better than Chelsea. Chelsea wanted to play better than Manchester United, and if you look at the fans' response, they wanted their team to win, and I think it was a uh, it wasn't a low-key game. It started off with Chelsea trying to keep possession, but as the game wore on, and you see both sides want to win, the tempo increased, and it put players under more pressure than have been in any other pre-season game so far. So I think it does matter. Paddy? Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's a good, a good stepping stone to the season. I, I, I don't think it matters as much as, uh, as a league match, any league match. Uh, but it's it's a good way to sort of get things started and 84 I mean yesterday's game has made us feel good about it I mean there have been Community Shield or before that Charity Shield games that don't but uh, it brought a semblance of a smile to the face of the game and uh, my word that was needed One thing which I was curious about is you know for, for, for much of last season we saw United playing um, in, a, in a 4-3-3 uh, with Rooney as the lone striker maybe for half of last season um, on Saturday or Sunday, we saw a 4-4-2. Rooney and Owen um, started the game up front, and then it was Chicharito and, uh, and, and Berbatov. But is this the way United are going to play this year? Do you see them more as a 4-4-2 side um, this year than, than a 4-3-3? Patty? Yeah, I think they'll play 4-4-2 in some home games, in a lot of home, home games. Uh, when you need to sort of break down defences. Uh, I think big games, I don't think they'll be able to afford not to thicken the midfield uh, by playing, you know, uh, two, I don't know, four, five, one, four, three, three, that, 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 that thing, uh, which gives you five in midfield if you want. Um, but uh, no, it's uh, Manchester United are one of those clubs that, that really that can change personnel and uh, systems without apparent damage. Um, Unlike the English national team, who, who showed that you cannot do that at international level. Uh, so yeah, I think it's an it's a Chicharito is a, is it going to be a tremendous new weapon for them, uh, particularly in home games. There's no doubt about that. 
Well, I, I, I think that uh, playing 4-4-2 uh, helped them yesterday with two up front, but Michael Owen cannot be one of those two players from his performance yesterday. I mean, he, he dropped off a little bit deeper. He didn't make any forward runs in behind the opposition. He didn't, wasn't alive when Rooney played the ball back across the box. He played the ball backwards and square all the time. But Chikorito, if he does play, he was the player that was looking to spin in behind the opposition as much as possible. And I think what they would do when they haven't got the ball, they would try and strengthen midfield by probably Wayne Rooney coming back and just playing on the holding midfield player of the opposition. Mm-hmm. Well, gee, but that's interesting. But what happened to all those people who talked about how Wayne Rooney has to play as a centre forward well, and score talking rubbish. Well, yeah, of course. Okay. Just talking rubbish. Just checking. But um, what, what what gets me about this is if they if, if, if they play 4-3-3, and I, and I still sort of feel like it, it might be Sir Alex's preferred option, I was actually sort of playing the game, where you, which is a game you can play at home, by the way, where you sit and you count United central midfielders. And you look at this, right? And Okay, Darren Fletcher, fine, good, put him in there. But then you get into Michael Carrick, who last season was injured and was on the bench a lot. Not a good defensive player. Um, mm-hmm. You've got Paul Scholes, who turns 36 before Christmas. Mm-hmm. Not a you've good defensive player. Ryan Giggs, who turns 37 before Christmas. Not a great defensive player. You've got Owen Hargreaves, who's injured. Very good defensive Yeah, player. very good. But not now that he can't walk. <laughs> um, you've got Anderson, who's had a terrible season last year and is injured. And then you've got Park Ji Sung, who I think started 10 games last mm. season and is probably more of a winger. And, uh, and and Darren Gibson, Defen- who defensive winger, <laughs> the defensive winger, and then you got Darren Gibson. I mean, this is literally everybody we have, and I, I listed them all because you've got to find three of them who can who can play consistently midfield. Which, to me, then makes the point: surely he's got to sign another midfielder, perhaps an attacking midfielder, perhaps Paddy's mate from Werder Bremen. Well, I've done, he certainly could do with more crea- more creativity. Uh, That's could, Mesut Ozil, by the way. Mm. Yes, yes, sorry. Yeah, uh, I'm sure everybody knew that. But, uh, yeah, they could do with more creativity, maybe borrow one from Arsenal, who've, uh, who've, who've got arguably too much. Um, but that's the way Manchester United play now, you know, the sort of... Uh, tight three well they're, they're, okay they can play different ways but uh, yeah I mean everybody could do with a with a Mesut uh, actually t- talking about Mesut Ozil I'm not sure you have to build a team around him and, and, and I don't think Ferguson plays that way I don't think he'd be I don't think he'd be a good signing for Manchester United or probably any other Premier League club well it's interesting Hughie if we can digress to you for, for a minute there um, you know you, you, you speak to a lot of agents you, you cover transfers Please riddle me this. If I'm Werder Bremen and in 12 months' time I lose Mesut Ozil for zero, why not sell him now, even for this cut price, 15 million? Wouldn't I be anxious to, 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 to flog him since he won't resign a new contract? Um, well, it depends how you look at it. From a purely financial view, probably yes, but uh, I think it's quite admirable when smaller, smaller clubs, if you can call Werder Bremen, Bremen a smaller club. Determined to, to hang on to the assets while they can in, in the in the hope of having a good season and on the pitch. We saw it last year with Shamak at Bordeaux, who um, 
could they probably should have sold him when they had a chance to Arsenal, but they didn't. Hung on, had a great season in France, and then he left for free. But you know, what 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 price success on the pitch? Yeah, I mean, Werder Bremen are trying to uh, qualify for the Champions League at the moment. You know, that that that's worth 15 million. Mm. So it would be a completely false economy. Uh, I agree with Husey as well, um, just on the qualitative side of it. Um, I mean, uh, we've already said that Werder Bremen are set up to play this way. They um, Ozil took the place of uh, the Brazilian um, Diego, uh, mm. Diego, uh, who played in exactly the same way, had the same assets. And um, I think it all depends with with Sir Alex Ferguson how the wingers play this season. If Valencia plays to the top of his ability and Nani plays to the top of his ability, he won't play with two up front. He'll have to play with one up front and he'll play with a midfield player playing just behind them. Yep. And that's where uh, Ozil could come into the reckoning. If Nani doesn't start playing particularly well, then he's got to change the system slightly because he's gonna, then he can play with two up front and mm-hmm. play with just a four-man midfield and Jisung Park or somebody like Giggs can then tuck in and make sure they're not outnumbered in that central midfield area. But it, the guy's 22, 23 years old. I mean, 50, I mean we, we all saw him at the World Cup. We saw him before. 15 million euros when you know you're, you're spending 12 million euros on, on on Chris Smalling. I mean, surely it's a no-brainer, right, Stuart? Or, or am I just insane? Well, you want the best creative players in the world playing in the Premier League. If you're, if that's where you want to spend your money. It's mm-hmm. easy to spend your money on, on midfield players and defence, but if you're going to spend big money, spend it on creative players. And Ozil is a creative player. He's the one that can unlock defences. That's why Paul Scholes was the best player on the field yesterday because he unlocked defences. I'm just worried though with Premier, English Premier League refereeing whether he would uh, survive the battering. You know, do you, do, you think that, do you think the Premier League now is is, is allows players to, to to get stuck in? I don't think it question. does. Yeah, I do. I mean, I think it's. I think uh, last last year was the most brutal I've seen in the Premier League uh, yet. Uh, I think that refereeing generally, as we saw from the World Cup, is getting more. Uh, I never put you down as a soft Scotsman. <laughs> uh, yes. Well, do now. I'm a, a football lover, and I think that the game's in real danger from uh, permissive refereeing. And I think the World Cup was a, was a warning signal that nobody seems to... You know, we've spent uh, several years concentrating on diving, which to, my, to me is an irrelevance, uh, and, and, and ignoring a far worse form, form of cheating, which is intimidation and tactical fouling. And I just don't think the referees are picking up on it. And I think that, I think that Ozil would find... Uh, as as Ronaldo, Ronaldo often talked about mm-hmm. it, and Ronaldo's a much is a big, strong lad, six foot one and twelve and a half stone, you know. And he used to complain about the treatment he got. Um, every creative player in England, and lots of the managers privately will tell you mm-hmm. that they're worried about the that the refereeing in England, and have been for years. Paddy, evidently not a fan of Holland uh, in his past World Cup. I think they were um, a disgrace. They should be banned <laughs> from the next one. Uh, let's take a quick look at Ch- Chelsea now. Um, I thought they actually started bright, but then they tailed off badly and, and Carlo Ancelotti came out afterwards and you know he said this is their fourth consecutive defeat in preseason for, for however much that matters and he said look we had a lot of guys away at the World Cup it's a preparation we're tired everything's going to be fine later uh, is everything going to be fine later Husey? Uh, it may it'll be fine whether it'll be good enough to win the league is a, is a different question uh, I think Carlo Ancelotti is more relaxed than most Chelsea fans and for good reason they're fortunate that their first five Premier League games are all very very winnable they start with West Brom and then they play teams like Wigan and Stoke I think um, so for them the season doesn't really start until late September when you think the players would be would be fully fit which they clearly aren't 
at the moment. Well, the Chelsea actually, I think, have uh, the record signing, if and when it goes through, in, in the Premier League uh, this summer, uh, with the exception of Manchester City, mm. and that's Ramirez. Mm. Um, $22 million, uh, for the Brazilian. Uh, I want to get your thoughts on him. We all saw him at the World Cup. Um, but at first, I want to impose my thoughts on everybody, which is I love the signing. I love this guy. He's humble. He runs his rear end off. Um, he can he can play as a winger. He's got some quality. Um, he's sort of like I don't know a, a cross between Florin Maluda and uh, a, a more defensive player. I mean he's got Maluda's intelligence in some ways. Um, I think this is exactly what Chelsea need uh, needed both in terms of age profile and in terms of, of positioning and what he can bring. Um, are you with me, Husey? I, I was very impressed the game, the game I saw him play for Brazil yeah and he, he, he can as you say do several roles he can play the SEM position he can play wider he's got a fantastic engine uh, I think the one caveat would be not that not many Brazilians have, have done well in, have done well in England historically so um, it's just all about what kind of character he is but I think he is very much from what I've been told in the sort of Gilberto Silva mode is sort of very hard working, very honest, very industrious. Um, and that that is characteristics that he needs to, 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 to survive in the Premiership. And Gilberto Silva will probably be one of the most successful imports ever had in terms of longevity. Well, Ramirez, yeah, I think he will bring something to Chelsea, but I don't think that's Chelsea's problem. I've been saying for, for, for many years now the weak link is John Terry. And he showed it again yesterday. Wayne Rooney runs in behind him. His positional play was poor. Mm. He, he looked unathletic, and he's looked unathletic it, for two or three years. Isn't it funny the way that uh, Ashley Cole got the blame for it? Yeah, well, I mean, Ashley Cole defended <laughs> really poorly on the on the second goal, where he where he, he just let Valencia run in Ter- behind him. Terry says, "Oh, let him cross from there, no problem at all." But the ball was when the ball was played over the top. Yeah. The, the, uh, Wayne Rooney had to make up three yards. Not only did he make the three yards up, he actually ended up getting a crossing with John Terry five yards away from him. Yeah. And, and Ivanovic didn't see the danger either Ivanovic should have been recovering into the hole that, that uh, Terry had been taken out of and so he, he didn't do his job properly Ashley Cole didn't track the runner either but John Terry was at fault for many of the things that went wrong at Chelsea yesterday and has been for a couple of years and he gets away with it because he's loved by the Chelsea fans and for a long period by the press as well well uh, yeah of course that, that's pretty much over now but uh, Chelsea's defence final thought um a guy who nobody's mentioned, and I'm hoping you can shed some light on this, Husey, is uh, uh, is the right back uh, Posingwa. I I kind of think that when he comes back, they'll have pace, they'll have wits, they'll have uh, the opportunity to, to to maybe you know restructure the central defence because Ivanovic will be able to to, to, to play there more regularly. Um, any news on, on on if and when this guy's coming back, Husey? Yeah, he's back in training, um, and he should be should be fit in a couple of weeks, I think. I don't think he's going to be fit for the West Brom game, but he's expected to play a pretty full part this season, um, and I think it'll be a welcome return for them. They haven't been that busy in the transfer market, but Ancelotti's taking the view that SCN and Brasinga are going to need players for them because the last seconds of last season they they, they just weren't available. Uh, so. He does give them does give them options and able, as you say, Vanovic to move inside and with with, with Alex, who's, who's a decent player. If, if Terry isn't fit, then it'll be fascinating to see whether this you know self-styled leader and legend is actually dropped by by his club if he's not playing. Well, there you go. We discussed the Chelsea defence, and we don't even mention Ricky Carvalho.
Guess what? The World Cup uh, ended, what, less than a month ago? But uh, international football is back. It's England and Hungary. Um, lots of uh, interesting talking points on this one. But let's start out with something, the timing of this. Because, you know, we had the, the, the we had uh, Arsene Wenger complain about this. We had Harry Redknapp complain about this. Uh, we had the folks on Sky complain about this. Is any of this justified? Uh, should the people be complaining about the timing of this international friendly? Patty. Yes, I think so. I mean, it's it's obviously something to do. I'm just trying to work out who in the world wants to play at this time. Uh, but there obviously must be someone, uh, hence it's in the international calendar. But I think, you know, you do have an option uh, not to play. Uh, I think England, for footballing reasons, would be much better off doing um, work behind closed doors this week. Um, so that I wouldn't have to go and watch them. Um, uh, it is it is quite ludicrous, and and I mean as you know there are teams for example Liverpool you can only feel sympathy really Liverpool have got the first league game followed immediately by uh, you know European action um, and, and and yet the manager hasn't had the players I mean it's an insult to the game it's an insult to the playing well, spectators I, I, sorry I'm just going to throw this out there because I imagine I'll be in the minority of one here um the European Championship qualifiers start on September 2nd. This is the only free Wednesday that they have because yes. August 18th and August 25th, uh, uh, the, mm. th- there's going to be Champions League third round qualifiers. Mm. Um, I mean, would you rather they went into qualifying without having ever had any kind of training camp or, or any kind of option to assess the players? Yes, I would because yes. I, I think they, 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 the players don't particularly want this. They're trying to get back to, to fitness. This isn't the right time for, to play the game. I feel sorry for the managers of, of how you prepare your pre-season training now with so many international players away from you. Yes. you know, I just don't know how you. You know, when I, when I was uh, coaching, I used to prepare all the pre-season. You say, well, this we're going to work on our system. We're going to work on our patterns of play. We're going to work on our defending, and this is the sort of the setup we're going to have. Well, you can't do that no. these days. All, all you're doing is sort of getting the the general. Fit of the players up at I mean, the moment. There's, fact, no, there's no game plan that you can put into place because the players aren't there to do it. International friendlies simply aren't... I, don't, I wouldn't have any international friendlies at all. I mean, they're just an excuse. They're, they're a waste of time. You learn nothing from them. You, you know, you chuck a kid on, he plays brilliantly against a tiring, unfamiliar team mm. in 20 minutes and suddenly there's... You, you know, you feel you have to pick him for the And it also match. gives false hope and to England. You know, we, we yeah. saw a lot of games prior to the to World Cup where England win games, win games pretty poorly but yeah. everyone said, no, we're okay you know, we've yeah, beaten Mexico 3-1 we've yep. beaten those 2-1 we, 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 we can win the World Cup here and it doesn't actually tell you too much about the state <laughs> of English football at all. Well, and, and uh, I just think it's wrong and it gives managers th- you know, things that le- they, they go through the motions they play about f- as many players as they mm. possibly can um, and satisfy nobody uh, I, 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 would, I think the game would be much better off without them I, well, why should you have I've got, to, I've got to say when, when, when I was involved in, in the England setup at youth level uh, under 21s or the first team on, on a few occasions mm. it was the one thing I didn't look forward to mm. I didn't want to go away from the club on a on a Sunday uh, night you should get to the training camp you mm. should train for three or four days you didn't really want to be there because you were injured maybe from the Saturday or you were carrying knocks from the Saturday game yeah. you couldn't give you a full in training it was a hard, you came back straight into yeah. training with your club and by the time the Saturday game you were shattered for the Saturday game yeah. um, and the, the other thing is if we have to play this surely to goodness Capello with all his experience can work out what uh, Laurent Blanc has worked out don't 
pick World Cup players. No. What on earth is Gerard doing out mm. there? What on earth is Rooney doing out there? What on earth is, you know, blah, blah, Terry doing? Could have used it as an experimental. He could have used sort of. it as a way of bringing in players. What, what's the point of playing Rodwell, who's a mm. real prospect, a genuine prospect, in an under-21 friendly against Uzbekistan? I mean, this is this this manager, this is the worst England manager I think I've ever experienced this guy. I think he's hopeless. Hughesy, um, on well, that note... For, for once, I'm actually on your team on this, Gav. I think I find it hugely ironic that when England crash out of the World Cup, there's a sort of wailing and your teeth about how the Premier League clubs have too much power and how the international game isn't taken seriously enough in this country and we're not producing this player mm. and then as soon as we want to have a game uh, everyone remembers about it and says oh, I feel sorry for the clubs uh, there, there, there are people who want this game Fabio Bello clearly thinks it has some value to get his players together um, 60,000 people are willing to pay to watch it so that there clearly clearly is demand and I think it's kind of indicative of the strength of football versus national football in this country that we're all moaning about. Mm, yeah, but I mean... And Fer- I don't even support England. Ferguson, <laughs> Fer- no, no do I, but I mean, so Ferguson only wants Rooney to... But he was quite blatant about it. He said, yeah, it's quite useful to have uh, Rooney playing. He needs another game under his belt. iOS helps you control which apps you share your exact location with. There's more to iPhone. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Uh, I mean, that is, that's the enthusiasm with which the game is encompassing it. But I might, first of all, thanks, thanks to Husey for, for supporting me. He's obviously a very wise man. Mm. Um, well, we knew that. But, but I, I want to throw something else out, which, I mean, I, I personally don't, attach any importance to the result of the game or even really the performance of the game. Um, but I think what's important from the England coaching staff perspective is what they see in training in these these two or three days. Then they go and pay the the, the, the they have to go and actually play the game because mm-hmm. they have to make some money to pay mm-hmm. off Wembley. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but what matters here is what they learn in training. What matters here is that Fabio Capello gets to spend time with you know with, with, with Wilshire and Kieran Gibbs and some of these new guys and see and, and learn from training sessions. Is, is that not important? Important story. Uh, it, you, you learn more about the players in training than you sometimes do in the games. But th- these players have been with the England setup, mm-hmm. whether it be the first team, under 21, that's surely what the, 
the, the relationship between Stuart Pearce at under-21 level and, and Fabio Capello is, that anybody that's been in the under-21 squad, Stuart Pearce should know all about them. Fabio Capello should know all about them anyway. So. But he doesn't get to work with them in trends. There's a difference between, you know, uh, knowing about somebody. I mean, I, 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 I know a lot about John O'Shea because I've seen mm. him play, but I've never actually trained with him or worked with him, right? I mean, isn't isn't there value there? Yeah, I suppose there is a bit of value. Well, there is. There's quite a lot of value, but whether it should be in this particular uh, the period of time, I'm not so sure. You know, uh, I look at I look at Jack Wilshere. He's played in every pre-season game for Arsenal. He started in central midfield, and, and uh, he's probably shattered before the season even starts. And now he's going to have to go and produce his best and play. Because when you come in as a as a as a second string player or a young player, you've got to perform in that very first game that you play. Otherwise, you may not get another chance. Uh, why not something else? Uh, um, uh, Hughes, you get your view on this. Uh, it, Capello's apology uh, a few days ago. Um, I was sort of taught when I was a little kid that, like, if you try your best, um, you don't really ever need to apologize for anything. Um, obviously, Capello wasn't taught the same thing or feels differently. Did, did, did we need this apology? I think there needed to be an acknowledgement that things went badly wrong and England didn't do as well as they should have done and that the management and the players were, were, were all culpable in that and I think it's, it's um, it was a sensible thing to do PR-wise as much as anything else um, for me I don't think it really went far enough not in terms of the apology but there wasn't an acknowledgement of specifics and things he actually got wrong and I don't think you'll get that from Capello because um very, um, very stubborn. What, what Capello shouldn't be apologising for is the fact that England don't win the World Cup. Isn't down to the manager. It's down to we haven't produced good enough players over the last 40 years to get anywhere near winning a World Cup. Even under Bobby Robson when they got to the 1990 final, it wasn't a particularly good team. If you if you went through the games, England played poorly in most of the qualifying games. They mm. didn't play well until they played against against Germany yeah. in the semi final. That's the only game they actually played well in. They were outplayed by Cameroon. They were outplayed by Belgium. They were outplayed by the Republic of Ireland. So England haven't produced players for 40 years. Egypt? And that's what, and that, Egypt? They just about won against Egypt <laughs> with a Mark Wright header. But England haven't produced players. We've, we've moaned about Fabio Capello. We've moaned about Sven-Jöran Eriksson. We've moaned about Steve McLaren. We've moaned about many other managers. The players aren't good enough to win World Cups at the moment. Well, Paddy, you just said this was the worst England manager in history, right? Mm. So um, Stuart instead blames the players. No, blames yeah. the development of the, the players. The development of the players. The, yeah, yeah, player development is not good. But I mean, is with, that the fault of the with, worst England manager in with history? These, with no, no, of course it's not. But I mean, the point is that that, that less well endowed. Uh, countries than England still perform well in international tournaments. If you go back to, um, let's say, uh, Sweden, the Swedish team that got to the World mm -hmm. Cup in 1994, two quite more or less, uh, you know, world-ranked players, Tern and Schwartz and, and, and people like that. Uh, Hussein maybe was around but at that time. But what they but did they, have... they played for the others were people like Pontus Karmark and so on who made up the numbers at Leicester. But they all played for the shirt and and as Greece proved as well in 2004 in Portugal if you play for the shirt you can compete with 
anyone. What, most and of the countries the, you've mentioned have had a system of play that the, 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 their soccer federation has said, this is the way we see a, a vision of the way we play football. Mm. England have never had a no, vision they, of how they, they want to they play football. They don't have a philosophy. So they, no, go, they don't have a philosophy or a vision, so they go into tournaments with just the manager's hope that you know I can, I can get these players to play the best. And those players uh, that, for Sweden knew how to play the team system. You know, how can you expect an Italian who's never been to England, who's never worked in England in his life, and who comes from uh, an infinitely superior footballing culture to ours, who doesn't, uh, und- who, who likes Sven Joran Eriksson, mm. who was also an Italian, you know, almost an, an adopted Italian, um, who could not believe what mm. scoundrels we mm. are, we produce, um, and and how many flaws they have Could for they all, the, for the all their and, and Gabs. You would you would <laughs> honestly think they might take a bit of interest before they accept yeah. a job worth several million pounds well, a year, I, but they don't, and that's why <laughs> employing foreign managers is absolute nonsense and inherently uh, designed for failure. It puts off the day when the kind of development Stuart's talking about is ever going to get started which is further away than ever. Oh, yeah, and, and the person that's got to sort it out is Trevor Brook, and he's got to get the right people on board to make sure the development of players in this country, England, have a vision and philosophy. They keep saying they've got a game plan now. I'm not sure I've read it, but I'm not sure what it quite is. Um, I can actually think of an Italian manager who, who came here and uh, won the double in his first season, but, uh, of course, it's not Fabio Capello. But um, I want to, it brings on to something else. I mean, you guys talked before about, about playing for the shirt, and, Hughes, I want to get you in on this. Paul Robinson and Wes Brown announced their international retirements after being selected. Uh, you know, all these jokes on Twitter. You know, Michael Ricketts uh, also announces international retirement. <laughs> <laughs> um, is, is this a snob to Capello? Is this bad timing? Is this just stupid? I mean, couldn't they do this before? Or, or, or should Capello maybe have rung these guys up and said, hey, folks, you haven't been in the team for a long time. I'm going to call you up um, rather than just taking it for granted that they would come? Well, it's, it's another PR disaster, obviously, really. It makes England players look as if they don't want to follow the country. It won't go down well with the fans. But I think it's important to draw a distinction between the two cases. Wes Brown actually came down here to, um, to Watford for the team hotel last night, explained to Doug Capello, I'm really sorry about this. I'm not fit. Uh, I need one to concentrate on enjoying the best out of my club career. And if you look at the injuries he's had since he was a young, a young boy, I think that's eminently sensible and understandable. Paul Robinson is slightly different. He basically doesn't want to be a third fourth choice goalkeeper at any point over the last ten months. He could have made that phone call, made that decision. He didn't. He waited to be called up to then say, actually, I'm not, I'm not that bothered. I don't want to play. And so he's always waiting for the, waiting for the call up deliberately to sort of make a big, big, big fuss out of it. Um, he didn't, didn't come down here. He just, got on the phone or probably his people got on the phone to Capello's people as these things work nowadays um, so it's, uh, it's, a, it's a bit of a shame but I can kind of understand why, why both players take the decision I just think Wes Brown has it all a lot better Hughesy do you think that Wes Brown got a call before he was named in the squad in the first place and in between getting that call and last night had second thoughts or do you think he just was named without any consultation whatsoever no, but I mean, given the way this regime works, it's very, um, very possible that he just got a call out of the blue. I mean, if you think back to the summer, Paul Scholes was given 
12 hours to decide mm. whether he wanted to go to the World Cup or not, mm. which... Um, I mean, it seems like an extraordinary way to I mean, operate. I mean, I'm, I'm not as anti-Capello as you are, but I think there are certain big things that have, yes. he got he got wrong but, in, in the summer. One of them is his sort of previously impeccable organisation of the pre- pre- Presumably, uh, you know, uh, Capello or his uh, one member of his of his of his of his not inconsiderable coterie rang Manchester United to check that Brown was fit before naming That's what the usually squad. Happens, that? And, and w- w- we, would it not be normal to say and willing as well? Or, I mean, do, 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 you th- do you think Manchester United actually tell you if the players are fit or not? I mean, presumably you told them that Michael Carrick was not fit and then, hey, presto, there he is. Right yeah, well, but Ferguson's acknowledged. I mean, heavens, uh, no one's more sceptical about Ferguson than, but I, agree than with, I. I agree with Matt. There are there's two totally different uh, scenarios yeah. here. Mm-hmm. Wes Brown thinks oh, he wants to pr- prolong his career. Robinson is throwing his toys out the pram. You know, yeah. I'm not, and Robinson doesn't deserve to be the number one goalkeeper. You know, Ooh. when he was the number one goalkeeper, he should never have been that. He made too many mistakes. He was mm-hmm. unathletic and, and, and wasn't a top goalkeeper. So for him to, to, to announce his retirement now, I think just uh, throwing these toys out the pram. Yep. Hughie, looking at the squad itself, um, a lot of uh, a lot of new faces. Uh, um, guys like Jack Wilshere, Kieran Gibbs, uh, Bobby Zamora finally up there. Uh, Carlton Cole, another shot. Um, you want to pick out a couple guys who you think could really really stake a claim? Bobby Zamora is one of the most interesting ones. He's nearly thirty years old and never been anywhere near a full England squad before. Um, Capello wanted to take him to the World Cup, but he had an Achilles problem, needed surgery. Uh, so I would see him as being ahead of both um, Darren Bent and Carl Cole in in the pecking order of becoming the new Emil Heskey, if you like, if anyone wants such a, such a title, because Capello could have taken them both to South Africa and chose not to. So I think it'll be interesting to see um, how he gets on and if he can former former good partner with Bruni because it's Emil Heskey um, bit of a bit of a joke figure and disregarded by many England fans and he, his retirement was hardly mourned a couple of weeks ago but I think we shouldn't overlook what he did in the, in the qualifying campaign and without Heskey England would, would have qualified as comfortably as they, as they did He's called up two guys, uh, in, uh, two Arsenal guys, in, in, in Kieran Gibbs and, and Jack Wilshire, who presumably will not be starting regularly um, for their clubs. I mean, in Gibbs's case, he, he's got an outstanding uh, player uh, in front of him when fit. Well, he's picked three Arsenal players that won't start the season because if Theo Walcott starts the season, I'll be absolutely shocked because his performances in pre-season <laughs> games have been next to hopeless I, yeah, I, I forgot we had the president of the Theo Walcott uh, fan club here I mean Theo Walcott if you looked at Jack Wilshere Kieran Gibbs Theo Walcott who are the best footballers Jack Wilshere by a million miles he's a, he can be a top top player he's got mm. awareness he's got athleticism when he goes past people he can pass the ball he's got vision he's got everything needed to be a world and I'll go as far to say a world class player he's got a bit of Lionel, Lionel Messi in him the way he drifts in the field with his, on his left foot and he can see a pass a little, little reverse ball. He's as clever as Cesc Fabregas. He's as, he's as clever as Cesc Fabregas. He can he can be he, a top top player. Whether he's got the mentality, that's the only question mark against him. Whether he becomes frustrated at Arsenal, whether he becomes frustrated with the, when he gets tackled, he likes to, to have a little bite back and he can lose his way and he'll stick his foot in and do a reckless challenge. But he's a very very good footballer. Kieran Gibbs is a is a is a good footballer. Theo Walcott is an athlete. 
mm. who who doesn't read the game at all. So. Uh, you, 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 funnily enough, talking about Theo Walcott, watching uh, Chicharito yesterday, who's as quick. Oh. But the difference in terms of inte- game intelligence Massive. I is mean, he knew when cheese. to come short, he knew when to spin. I'm not sure Chikorita, when he's got his back to go, is, is a great player. But mm. when he comes and spins and runs in behind, that's mm. when he's excellent. And Theo Walcott can't see his runs. Mm. On most occasions, picks the wrong run. Yep. Whereas Wilshire is a total footballer. And Chikorita can, can use the ball, Wilshire. Unfortunately, you know, he's picks, not English, though. Uh, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> well, since we're digressing on Chicharito, the one thing which I think is curious, while well, he's got, uh, he is so. Uh, Chris, two years older than uh, than, than Theo Walcott, yes, um, but less he, experienced. He only has, yeah, he only has one season as a starter under his belt at club mm-hmm. level, um, which which I think I, I and I want to throw this to, to Husey. You know, a lot of times you talk about giving kids a chance. I wonder sometimes are there some players who maybe would benefit um, from if if their if, if their debuts as regulars at, at club level came a little bit later rather than sort of at seventeen eighteen if if maybe um, they they sort of learned more by watching and coming on for short bursts rather than being thrown right into the fray. Well, Jack Wilshire may have that this season in Arsenal because that that is a squad that's full of full of midfield players. Um, Theo Walcott um, had a very stuttering start of his career hasn't really um, really kicked on in, in three or four years unfortunately and then that one one amazing night in Zagreb so I, I can see what you're saying but we, we can't really have it both ways and we are always after the rain after we have a unionist player we, we want to see them play we, we want to see Jack Wilshire play for Arsenal don't we so we can't really sort of criticise them for picking them and then criticise them for not picking them yeah, I'm not. I wasn't criticizing. I was just suggesting. You know, you want to avoid situations like Micah Richards, who's a starter when he's when he's 18, and and now he's he's the last guy off the bench. But I mean, Wilshire can play loads of uh, Premier League football this season if he wants uh, by playing it for Bolton Wanderers. Hmm. I mean, he changed Bolton Wanderers' <laughs> season last year. You know, they were going nowhere. Owen Cole came in, changed the style of play. It didn't work for the first six or seven games. Then suddenly he got uh, yeah. Jack Wilshire in there, and he started to run midfield games. And people said he wasn't going to be strong enough. Yeah. If you're good enough. You strong enough as well yeah and I mean let him play let him play there he wasn't kicked off the park in Premier League games though uh, no but Paddy. he got so frustrated that as you point out that he's chipping <laughs> yeah, back he, at he, people and, and I mean that's the same mm. it's 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 from it's the same problem England fans take heart Jack Wilshire's here I know you all love the quick hits feature last year because uh, you all told me, but now we've made it even better. This is called Off the Fence. We want short, sharp answers, gentlemen. And uh, if you hit the 30-second mark, I'll start ringing this very annoying bell. Joe Cole looked very good in his UEFA outing last week. Uh, he played just behind the center forward with Jared operating deeper. Uh, Paddy, is this the move that resurrects his career? Yep, I think it's the right uh, position for Joe Cole. His career doesn't wholly need re- resurrecting since he, played, he was playing pretty well for Chelsea before he got injured uh, and had a um, pretty checkered uh, last season. Uh, the other thing, of course, is Gerard operating deeper. Is this a sign that Hodgson has spotted that he's lost his explosive pace? And maybe this is a good move for Gerard too. Stuart. After a long pursuit by Barcelona, Cesc Fabregas is staying at Arsenal at least for another year. Matt, did you find the way Barca pursued the Arsenal midfielder distasteful? Well, a little bit, but it was also quite entertaining and filled a few blank use of the pages over what was a quiet summer, so he couldn't he can't really complain too much. Uh, it's not really a surprise how they did business day in Spain. The clubs used the media far more shrewdly and sort of cynically I suppose in the English clubs and there's a much closer relationship and they basically tried to court him in public and unsettle him 
it didn't really work, not because he didn't want to leave, but because basically Barcelona weren't prepared to pay the money. If they offered offered 80 million or 60 million that Real Madrid did for Ronaldo last year, I think he would be a Barcelona player now. But. Patty, in the championship, your boy Gordon Strachan signed half a dozen Old Firm alums at considerable expense, and yet Middlesbrough still lost 3-1 at home to Ipswich. Patty, did your fellow Scott get it all wrong? Well, on the day he did. Uh, but these are early days. Uh, I mean, I think uh, from what I saw of that game, uh, I did like the look of Ipswich under Roy Keane, and I would at this stage rather concentrate on that positive. But I mean, to go back to the point of your story, old firm alums, uh, former Rangers and Celtic players would not be. I would not go buying in that league. They used to say there's Rangers and Celtic and nothing else. Now there's just nothing. Matt, United are supposed to be cutting there and. But player bonuses this season. Is this necessary? And, and Stuart, why do Premier League footballers need bonuses anyway? Well, I think they should have lots of bonuses, but they shouldn't be paid so much. I think a lot of payments should be incentive-based. You know, I think there's a book called The Moneyball, I think, the, 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 the American football coach wrote, where you only get paid on, on, when you're successful. And that needs to come into play somewhere in England at some point in the Premier League. I understand what you're saying. If you paid fortunes, then you don't need bonuses. But I think players should be paid less and be paid good bonuses when they do well. Stuart. QPR are reportedly considering giving Marlon King, who spent the last nine months in prison for assaulting a woman, another chance. Matt, are you okay with this? Um, well, I prefer it if football clubs weren't so desperate to um, give him employees like Marlon King, but equally we can't expect them to, to, do, to, do, to, to do the job of the judiciary and you're obviously not a very nice man, but if you believe in rehabilitation, then I suppose he does deserve a second chance, and you shouldn't be treated more harshly because you're a footballer than if you were worked in an office. Paddy. Right, Jose Mourinho says there is no way Rafa Benitez can do better than he did at Inter Milan. Gabs, is he right? Well, he's basing this on the fact that Inter Milan is basically his team and that, uh, of course, he won the treble last year and how could Rafa Benitez win more than the treble even if he's in the World Club Championship? It doesn't really matter because it's only two games and yada, yada, yada. Um, I think what Rafa Benitez could come back to him and use the old uh, um, uh, Clough Revy line of saying, well, Jose, I can go and win it better by playing better football than some of the draws, uh, albeit very effective draws, you served up last year. But don't hold your breath. Thanks to my guests today, Stuart Robson, Patty Barkley, and Matt Hughes. Remember, you can keep in touch with all the latest football news at www.thetimes.co.uk, where you can also find out how to get our new iPhone app. You can also follow the Army of Times writers on Twitter. Uh, I'm on there, and so is Oliver K at Oliver K Times. If you want to contact the show, email gamepodcast at thetimes.co.uk. I'll be back next week as the Premiership season gets underway. As you're listening to me, Daisy, Apple's iPhone disassembly robot is dismantling an iPhone into lots of recyclable parts. That's how Apple recovers more materials than conventional recycling methods. Thanks, Daisy. There's more to iPhone. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. 
That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.